Episode 47 The Wife of the Lamb I have such a strong feeling and certainty about the need for the body of Christ as to develop a thirst and hunger appetite for more of Him, Jesus, and to understand that being born again as a new creation, we actually are not of this world, but just on assignment as in temporary, acknowledging that we are strangers or aliens, if you will, just passing through. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the program. I'm glad you could join us here at Fill the Lamp. You know, relationships in this world, apart from God, are 180 degrees opposite than they are in eternity. In eternal hell, it would be like your worst day ever on planet Earth, magnified a million or billion times greater. In heaven, there will be no decay of individuals, and therefore no eating and drinking, no decay of the species, and therefore no need to be marrying and where there will be no more deaths, you see that in Revelation 21 and 4, so there need not be any more births as well. The married state here on earth is a composition of joys and cares, cautions, precautions, worries, concerns, and troubles. But in heaven there is all joy and no care or pain or trouble. There will be no marrying. The joys of heaven are pure and spiritual and ascend from the marriage of all to the Lamb and Him only. Paul writes in Ephesians uh, 2, verses 1 through 6, he says, It wasn't so long ago that you were stuck in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, to tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing. And when we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, great in mercy and with incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven, in company with Jesus, our Messiah. So, here we are in the Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. We see the cherishing heart of Jesus, our bridegroom king, 
And again, in song uh, chapter 4, 6 through 8, she responds, the bride does by setting her heart to fully obey and believe his word. You see, Jesus washes and releases his glory in the church, get this, by cherishing us. Again, look how Paul puts it in Ephesians 5, 26 through 29, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, so that he might present her to himself as a glorious church. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourished it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. God's primary method to change weak believers is to cause us to feel how much he cherishes us. In this way, he removes the stain of our sin and the shame from us in the right here and now. When we feel cherished, we become confident and bold in our love for Jesus. I like how Mike Bickle puts it. He says, God's cherishing heart is one of the most prominent themes in the Song of Solomon. Uh, David says in Psalm 18.35, Your right hand, talking to God, held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. Now, Jesus does not define our life by our struggles. He sees more than our failures. He defines us by the seeds of virtue that are in our heart and what we set our heart on, not only by what we attain. He sees a willing spirit in us. You find that in Matthew twenty six forty one. He defines us by our longings to love and obey him. The devil calls it hopeless, calls us, excuse me, hopeless hypocrites. The enemy wears down many with accusations and condemnation. He wants us to feel like hopeless hypocrites so that we will give up. He wants us to confuse immaturity with rebellion so that we would give up. Now, please let me interject something here about maturity versus immaturity. I grant you that maturity is a very important component. And I will do, and I will and do mention that word a lot. But maturity does not come from our efforts as in works. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, you see, maturity just happens when our intimacy grows closer to Jesus. This is and has always been about our hearts. Let's read what Scripture tells us in Matthew 5, 6. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus speaking says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, or those who actively seek right standing with God, for they will be completely satisfied. 
This is telling us that the washing of the word cleanses us into maturity. Feeding on his word grows the heart muscle. Now, if you were in a weight room or in a, in a fitness area and you were uh, in the consistently lifting weights, well, guess what happens? You guessed it. The muscles grow. It just happens, especially on the right diet, though. So as when you immerse yourself or feed upon the Word of God, your capacity within your heart and mind will grow, providing that your heart appetite is hungry and thirsty for, continu for a continual dose of the Spirit. Now, when your capacity expand, expands your authority and your maturity surges out and flows like a river in an obvious way. So, Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 8, says, Now, once again, the Beloved calls her to spiritual warfare. Now, we must understand this calling is into battle. If you're not equipped for battle, well, guess what? You will be taken hostage in defeat. And verse uh, 8 says, Come with me from Lebanon, my spouse. With me from Lebanon, look from the top of Amana at the battlefield. They were on top of a mountain. He wants her to look down about where this battle is taking place. The king calls her his spouse, or wife, if you will, for the first time in the song. With her new commitment, obeying the call to go to the mountain in preparation for battle, or ministry, if you will, she is now living from her heart like the bride. She now carries her heart as a loyal wife-to-be. So, for the next four chapters in the song, we will see her develop into mature love. Jesus' inheritance is an eternal companion that is an affection filled bride that will be equally yoked with him in love. The cross is not an end in itself. It provides Jesus with his bride and the Father his family. The church will live with a bridal identity in loving obedience. Uh, Revelation 22.17 says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let anyone who hears this say, Come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. Well, we're going to close it today with a scripture from Revelation again, 21, verses 8 and 9. 8 says, But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, 
those who practice witchcraft and idol worshipers and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come with me, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Let's pray. Father God, we just lift you up at this very moment as we listen to your word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Father God, I pray for each and one of every one of my listeners today. Whatever battle they may be in, whatever they're going through. The Bible says that those who endure to the end will be saved. So, Lord, I just I just ask that they arm themselves for battle with the clo- <clears throat> with the clothes that you have provided them for armament. Father God, I just pray right now that each one, if they don't know Christ, any one of them, that they would come to know who you are, Lord, that they would surrender to you and not surrender to the world. Father God, I just pray as they are listening that they will grow, that they will mature, that they will become intimate with you. Father God, I just lift them up in prayer. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Well, I'd love to hear from everybody. And email me, if you will, at fillthelamp at yahoo.com. All one word. That's fillthelamp at yahoo.com. Well, until next time, I'm Neil Parks.